Well, happy Easter, everyone. Glad that you have made it here. If you're tuning in online, thank you for joining us there as well. We are excited to celebrate Easter. My name is Tanner. I'm on staff here uh, at South Point. Uh, And Easter, I believe, is the greatest day uh, in the whole whole world, uh, in our whole calendar. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and what that means for us. Uh, So what we're going to do is we're going to open up scripture. We're going to read this resurrection story and uh, talk about what that means for us. But first, let me me say a prayer. God, thank you for this moment and this day. And uh, so oftentimes we realize that you speak to us in a moment, in a day, uh, in a particular situation that we may be in. Uh, Holy Spirit, I pray for you to do that right here, right now, uh, that you meet us here, that you speak powerfully, and that you change us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to be reading from John, uh, John's biography of Jesus, starting in chapter 20, uh, in verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around, turned toward him, and cried in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went with the disciples, went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. What we see here in this portion of the story of Jesus, the message of Easter, and I would say especially we also see the delivery of this message of Easter. The delivery of the message really is the message. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about uh, the two things that we see in this. We see the recipient of this delivery, uh, and then we see the delivery itself. 
So first of all, the recipient of the delivery, the delivery of this message of Easter. Now, if you are brand new to church and to God, here's the whole message. Here's what it comes down to, that God has so loved us so much that he gave his one and only son, that Jesus lived this absolutely perfect life, that he took our sin and he took our shame and he nailed it to a cross. And because of that, we may have salvation. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's not anything that, that you have done, but it's simply because of what God has done on the cross of Jesus for you. Or put another way, we almost can think about it like a math equation. We bring our sin plus his great sacrifice, and yet somehow that equals salvation. Now, I believe that this is a message that has been told over and over again. And some of us have heard for years and years and years. Some of us heard it way back in childhood. And quite frankly, we have known this message, but we are not experiencing it right now. It's almost like a math problem. This plus this equals this. And let's be honest, none of us have ever gone to math class and we're really moved by that, right? By math class. It's almost like something that, information that appears on a mass mailing that you get in, in the mail one day that says, oh, to your name or current resident of, right? And you see this information. It's not that, maybe it is not something you are experiencing. Or, or maybe you did experience it. Maybe you did experience the hope and the joy and the peace that, that Jesus says comes with salvation in him. But maybe it was like you walked into a room and you saw that hope and you saw that joy and you saw that peace and then it's like the light flashed out and, and you can't see it anymore. You're not experiencing it. And you say, well, I, I, know, that, I, know, I know that sometime I experienced that hope and the joy and the peace, I, but I'm not now. And it is for this very reason that the delivery of this message matters. When we read this story, we see that Jesus intentionally chose Mary Magdalene to appear to first. He intentionally chose Mary Magdalene. In fact, you see two of his disciples. You see Peter and John who would become leaders and pillars of the early church. And they are there at the tomb. They walk in. They see the empty tomb. They walk in. They see the strips of, of linen lying there. They see the cloth. They see... Uh, no Jesus there, and yet they walk away. And moments later, Mary, who did not walk away, is still standing there. And it is at that moment that she sees the resurrected Jesus, that Jesus says, I'm going to choose to appear to Mary of all people first. Mary sees these angels. She sees the resurrected Jesus. He appears to her first. Let me tell you, this is intentional. This is on purpose. And you say, well, why? Why is that? Who is, who is Mary? What made Mary special? Why would Jesus appear to her first? Well, you go back and you read another biography of Jesus, the book of Luke, and you will see that Mary had seven demons. Now, the number seven means completeness, meaning that Mary was completely possessed. In fact, there's really probably only one person in, in all of Scripture account that really, appear, that, uh, that really compares to Mary at all, and that is this, this man who is said that he had a legion of demons inside of him. 
You read Mark chapter 5, you see this man who was so violent that the people of the town cast him outside of the city limits, that he is actually living and wandering among the graves and the tombs. He's in such distress and such pain that he's wandering naked and he takes pieces of broken pottery and he's scraping himself. And the people of, the, of that town, that what they want to do is they, they want to restrain him, but they cannot even restrain this man. That is the picture that we see of Mary. Mary was a mess. She was a wreck. People thought that Mary was deranged. And Jesus appears first to her. Let me say, this is completely consistent with and on brand with what Jesus always does. All the way back to his birth, quite frankly. We hear the birth story of this king of kings, this lord of lords who's coming. We think someone like that should be born in a palace with great news and pomp and circumstance all around him and his birth. Who's the first person, the first people to receive the announcement of this birth? None other than a group of shepherds who, by the way, almost nobody would pay any attention to. This Jesus grows up and he starts his ministry. And he chooses his 12 disciples and 12 followers. And who does he choose? He chooses a man by the name of Matthew, who is a tax collector which means he was hated by his own people. They were, he was thought to be one who actually betrayed his people. And Jesus comes to him, and he says, Matthew, I want you to follow me. And when Matthew says yes, they throw a party at Matthew's house, and all of Matthew's friends of disreputable reputation came, and people come to Jesus, and they say, well, do you know who, like, is here? And Jesus' response is, yeah, but, I mean, do you think that, do you think healthy people need a doctor? No, he says, I came for the sick. This is the same Jesus who, when he went to the house of someone who is a righteous and religious man, also had a woman come and join him who also was a woman with a reputation, and she sat at his feet crying and drying and, and washing his feet with her hair. And when the man said, Jesus, but don't you know who she is? Jesus said, well, here's the deal. If you're forgiven little, you kind of love little. If you're forgiven much, you love much. So, yeah, I know who she is. This is the same Jesus who appeared to Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to come to your house. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, who was, again, notorious. And people said, Jesus, do you know where you're going? And Jesus said, well, you know, here's the deal. I came to seek and save the lost. So Jesus coming and appearing first, the resurrected Jesus to Mary was on purpose. And it was not just for Mary. Be clear, it was not just for Mary. It was for everyone who would follow Mary. Because the message is, uh, is, is this. If Mary, then me. But here's the thing. Mary this first recipient, missed Jesus. Like, she's standing in front of Jesus. I mean, she's standing in front of hope personified. 
and she's bleak. She's standing in front of victory, and she only sees defeat. She's standing in front of an indestructible life, and she's only mourning death. She's missed it. And and Jesus does what Jesus usually does. He asks her a question. Actually, two. One, why are you crying? And two, who was it you were looking for? One, why are you crying? If you open up the scriptures and you read the rest of the story like There's a scripture that's written years after the resurrection of Jesus that pointed back to the resurrection of Jesus and said, hey, it's because of this resurrection of Jesus that you and I should actually grieve differently. We should grieve as if if we have hope. Yes, you're still going to grieve, but you need to do so differently because you grieve knowing that aging doesn't win. You grieve knowing that cancer doesn't win. You grieve knowing that addiction doesn't win. You grieve knowing that darkness doesn't win. You grieve actually as if you have hope. So when he says to her, why are you crying? He's saying you don't have to grieve like you've grieved before. And then he asks her the question, who are you looking for? She's saying, I'm looking for the one who could see me. I mean, like, he saw me and knows me, like, knows everything about me, and still gave me his grace and welcomed me. I'm looking for the one who gives rest to the weary, who listens to the confused, who empathizes with the lonely. I'm looking for Jesus and Jesus alone. And so we we are here. We see Mary crying. And just a few verses later, just a few verses later, at the very end of this portion of the story, we see Mary going out, and she's literally the first person to announce Easter. She does so to his disciples. She's the first person to share this message, the first like missionary of Easter. She's there, and yet she's crying just a few verses before. The question is, what happens? How does she go from here to here? How does she go from missing the treasure that is standing right in front of her to actually grasping it? Grasping it? Or how does she go from like missing the promises to really claiming them as her own? What changes in between? Jesus says one word. Her name. This is the the delivery. This is that hope that we're talking about today. The hope of Easter. This hope is always, always specially delivered. To you. I mean, the difference is as stark a contrast as receiving a piece of mail that simply says to current resident of 
to receiving a special delivery. I mean, think about a special delivery, like a really special delivery, that you see a truck pull up at your house, and they come, and they're bringing balloons and Greg's cake and all this other stuff that is like your favorite stuff in the world. This is a special delivery. This is the delivery of Easter. And what's Mary's response is she goes and she clings to Jesus. Why? Because in Jesus, she, she knows someone, she sees someone who is so real and so safe that she realizes that she can bring what she brings to their relationship. She can bring her pain she can bring her sin. She can bring her damage. She can bring her regrets. He is so safe and so real. She clings to him because he is so, so graceful that when you are in his presence, you realize that there's absolutely no need for you to try to justify yourself or pretend that you are better than you are. There's no pretending, no trying to prove yourself that he has done it for you. She clings to him because he is so graceful. She clings to him, let's face it, because he is so powerful. When she is in his presence, she realizes that, guess what? You and I do not unshame ourselves. We do not undamage ourselves. We do not unlonely ourselves. She clings to the one who does that, and she trusts. Sometimes I have people say to me, like, you know, this is not the right time for me to come back to Jesus. i got to get my stuff in order. I say, look, I mean, if you, what are you worried about? Like, you're going to bring your regret, your pornography habit that you can't kick, your adulterous relationship, your self-pity, your grief, your addiction. Like, do you think you need to work on that stuff before you come to him? Let me say this with as much kindness as I can. You don't know the Jesus who calls your name. She's clinging to Jesus. Right? And Jesus tells her, hey, don't hang on to me. Things have changed. I've given you the Holy Spirit who is with you. And it's actually better that the Holy Spirit's with you because the Holy Spirit is with you all of the time. And he says, I want you to, and he says, I want you to go to my brothers and tell them that I am still, I'm going to ascend to my father and their father, my God and their God. And she, she, goes to, she goes to them. And I'll tell you what she did not say. Here's what she did not, here, here's what Mary did not say. She didn't go to the 12 disciples and she didn't look at them and say, hey boys, fellas, come here, come here, come here. I've seen the resurrected Jesus and you know what? You guys abandoned him at his crucifixion? And guess what? You didn't even show up on the third day? And he wants to have a talk with you. 
she, she said, look, I've seen the resurrected Jesus. And here's the message. We're in the same family. He told me to come to my brothers, that his father is now your father. She comes and she says, I have seen the Lord. I have experienced the miracle of Easter. He called my name. And now he's calling yours. Let's pray. God, you are good. You are good. And that this is not some just general, vague message, a message of Easter for us just to learn and information to know. But it is, it is personal. I praise you for calling our name for making this hope real, that you specially deliver this. Uh, we praise you, and we love you. And I, uh, I pray for these next couple minutes as we respond. I pray that you help us sing directly to you. We love you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.